Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm so excited to be sitting here with Jeff Lawson, the founder and CEO of Twilio. I know a lot of people who work at Twilio. I've do, been doing a lot of reading about the company. I have so many questions for you. We don't have nearly enough time. And as I'm sitting here... Didn't you make the schedule? <laughs> as I've done a whole day. <laughs> as I'm sitting here, all I want to know is... So I've been to the office. It's full of sneakers. You have the coolest kicks on I've ever seen. Can you tell us a little bit about why, uh, what role sneakers play in Twilio? Yeah, absolutely. One of our values at Twilio is wear the customer's shoes. And the idea is, how do you know if we're, if we're representing our customers' needs? How do we know if we're best serving our customers? Well, you have to walk a mile in, in someone's shoes before you can really understand them. And so we made our value, wear the customer's shoes. And then we said, how are we going to live this? And we do this awkward thing where we go into customers and we say, I have a question for you. Can I have your shoes? <laughs> and, and we literally, we get customers to give us their shoes. Uh, we give them a pair of Twilio uh, kicks in response. And we hang them all around our office with the customer's name, the company, the name of the person, as a constant reminder, because people always come into the office and they say, what's with the shoes? And it's a great reminder to say, well, let me tell you, wear the customer's shoes is one of our values. And they do exactly what I just did, and it's a very recursive and it keeps happening. Um, but that's the idea, is that it's a constant reminder in the office and in every meeting that our job is to wear the customer's shoes. That's interesting. So I feel like I'm uh, founded Fast Forward in part as redemption for my previous career. I call myself a recovering ad optimizer. You've been an entrepreneur since you were 13. And I hear a lot about Twilio's values for my friends who work there. You call them your nine things. It's things like, but it's not like trust and it's not the normal things. Yeah, it's, it's like, like most companies have these values that are words like integrity. You have like draw the owl and, and no like, shenanigans. Where do these yeah. come from? Well, you know, here's the thing, right? So values are the words you use to describe the culture. They're actually two distinct things. The culture is what you feel when you come to work every day. And the values are the written words that are the descriptors of that culture. And those words can be accurate descriptors of that culture, or they can just be made up words on a wall that don't mean anything. And when we were crafting our values, we said, look, if we want these things to be valuable, if we want them to be actually actionable by people, people need to understand what they mean. And most companies have words like integrity. And you're like, I understand what integrity means. Like, I understand the word. Like, I get it. But I don't really understand if what I'm doing right now has integrity. Like, nobody walks around saying, wow, I just, I just had a lot of integrity. Good job, me. You know, it's, <laughs> but it really, but you, so we picked this word, no shenanigans. Because, mm -hmm. like, you kind of know shenanigans when you see it. Mm -hmm. And the result is we hear these words used constantly to make decisions throughout Twilio. And so we'll be in a conversation about some product or pricing or whatever it is, and you'll hear someone say, no, 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 we shouldn't do that. That feels like shenanigans. And this conversation will ensue about whether it's shenanigans or not. But you never hear in the company where people say, you know what, that, that doesn't have integrity. You know, like, no one would just say that. It's weird. And so I always think that our values are working when you hear people invoke them to make decisions. That's how you know they're real. They're not just words on the wall, but actually lived by people. And we hear this all the time that when they join Twilio, they are actually surprised because they've never worked somewhere where the words that they read about on the website, like on the recruiting website, are actually what it feels like to be there. And so to me, part of that was to make these words very human accessible. Mm -hmm. um, well, we seem to accomplish the impossible, which is a mission-driven tech company. But we hear a lot in the press now that um, you know, tech platforms, uh, 
the way that you connect people, the way you make it easier for people to be in touch, uh, can also be used to make us return to apps we might not otherwise return to them, or fuel hate speech or worse. How do you think about yourself and your responsibility as a tech platform? Well, look, I, I think that as technologists, as business people, and as members of society, it is our responsibility. Like, we have to take responsibility for the technology that we create. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, it's about creating good with our technology. We also have to realize the unintended consequences of the technology and recognize that it's your job to be responsible for those as well. Mm -hmm. And that's where I see a lot of folks who want to say things like, well, we're just a platform. Mm -hmm. We're just an enabler of humanity, and humanity is good and it has bad, and like, but we're just here to enable. And I just think that's shirking the responsibility that you have as a business leader and as a, as a technology leader. And it's like, you know, at some point, if you cash the check that society writes you for building some successful technology company, well, then you have to accept the, the consequences of that. Mm -hmm. And for the longest time, people didn't recognize that, and now finally they are. And at the very mid, like bottom of Maslow's corporate hierarchy here, it's like, it's going to be a shit ton of bad PR for you if you don't accept this. Mm -hmm. Like, let alone the moral and ethical duties that you have to the society that allowed you to start a company mm -hmm. and to build the thing that you built and amass the wealth that you've amassed. Mm -hmm. Like, let alone your responsibility to that system mm -hmm. that let you get to this spot. Mm -hmm. But even at the very least, you can say, why don't you avoid the bad PR? That's bad, that's bad for you. And, so, and it's just amazing to me how many folks really don't internalize the responsibilities that we have as corporate leaders and as technologists mm -hmm. because the impact of, of corporations mm. is immense. You know, corporations are arguably the most powerful groupings of human beings in the world. I mean, there's a lot of countries where corporations are more powerful than government. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also uh, argue that technology is more powerful than any of the above because right. of the reach that it now has. Mm -hmm. You know, it's unprecedented in the history of, of human existence for such a small group of people to have such large impact. Mm -hmm. You know, we, when we started Twilio, we shared uh, a, a, a co-working space with Instagram. Uh -huh. And it was three, three guys at their computers mm -hmm. and they were reaching hundreds of millions of people. This was before they got acquired by Facebook. Mm -hmm. And have you ever thought about that? Like, we live in this magical age where a software developer can open up a, a text editor mm -hmm. and have a blinking cursor and write some magical codes mm -hmm. and upload it to an app store, and a billion people can use it the next day. That's insane. Mm -hmm. And so with that power, with that reach, you have to recognize that we've got responsibilities, right. and that just has to get built into the business model and built into the product development process as you go in order to unlock good and healthy interactions mm -hmm. as, opposed to, as opposed to bad ones. Right, that's interesting. So one of my favorite tech nonprofits, and I know I'm not supposed to pick favorites, probably as one of the Fast Forward founders, but uh, is Nancy Lublin from Crisis Text Line. Yeah, that's uh, And so she's used the power of this communication tool that's always in everyone's pocket to, well, I should let you, you're on the board of Crisis Text Line. They have this big announcement this week where they've reached 100 million uh, messages. Do you want to talk a little bit about yeah, how 100 they... 100 million messages They're the Crisis Text Line. How'd you get involved and how uh, they work with Twilio? Yeah. So, uh, Christ, uh, you know, I'll give the quick background, like, why, how did Twilio.org get started? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that's kind of what led uh, Nancy and Crisis Text Line to, to us, but we started Twilio.org in the early days of, of, of Twilio 
because you know, we built this platform and we said, you know, developers can use Twilio to build just about anything that needs communication. So voice calls and text messaging. And we said, we're going to really, you know, uh, let developers go build anything. And, you know, we thought about, uh, you know, company phone lines and IVRs and mm -hmm. contact centers and shipping notifications and all this stuff. But what we did not imagine were all of the use cases that were out there in the nonprofit and the good sector. Mm -hmm. And the idea being that like there, what we came to realize was that so many of society's problems are caused by the lack of communications. Mm -hmm. You know, people in our society not communicating with each other when they need to resulting in bad outcomes or can be solved by the right communication at the right moments with the right person. And that's why these nonprofits that you're using our platform that you could use to build anything kept coming to our door and saying, hey, we want to use Twilio to connect you know, these people to these people. And you know, can you help us out? Is there a discount? And every time we saw that, we were like, oh, yeah, sure, we want to help you. And we kind of put two and two together. And we're like, this is a trend. We have a lot of people. But they always find us because they're like, you know, they knew someone's cousin's brother-in-law's hairdresser. Right. Like has a you know, roommate works at Twilio. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, can, I, can you hook me up? And I was like, you shouldn't need that. Right. <laughs> you know, we want to work with you. And so we started Toyota.org uh, in about 2013 to really start down this path of saying, we want to formalize how our technology is used to propel good in the world. Because there's so many organizations out there who are close to populations who are in crisis and close to those who are in need and close to the societal problems that we have around the world who see those problems and see how communications can be brought to solve these problems. And we want to partner with everyone who sees the world that way. Uh -huh. And so that's where we opened, you know, kind of opened our doors for business and said we're launching Toyota.org in order to support those folks. And Nancy was someone who, who uh, fit, fit that bill and, and she described what they were doing a crisis text line and getting volunteers to uh, staff 24 by seven as crisis counselors and teaching people empathy and teaching people how to handle those crisis moments and then getting the word out to all the people in need out there. Like if you've driven across the Golden Gate Bridge, mm -hmm. there are signs everywhere that says, need help, text 741-741. Mm -hmm. And those signs are all around the country and now around the world mm -hmm. helping people realize that there is assistance when they need it. And it's just an amazing, amazing organization. In fact, it, it came out of do something.org. You just heard just from Aria. Stage, right? Yeah. And uh, it initially came because Aria and Do Something, they were texting out these campaigns to young people. Mm -hmm. And Nancy has this amazing story. You should just go watch her TED Talk. It will, she, gave, she told the founding story of, of uh, Crisis Text Line at our developer conference mm -hmm. uh, three years ago. And I'm, I don't know how many of you have been to a tech conference, like a, like a customer conference. You know, usually it's a lot of like swag and corporate and like right. suits. And They've like probably all seen your billboards on one one to ask your developers. Yeah, I right. Know that you and like, you know, usually the typical tech conference is like, we're announcing the new product today, the uh -huh. X4000. And we had Nancy on stage. She told the story of the founding of Crisis Text Line. Um, and she had the audience in tears. And literally, like, I'm not even exaggerating. People were in tears and hearing about the story of impact that a simple text message can have. Mm -hmm. And that is amazing. And her story is, is I'll, I'll give you the abbreviated version, which is at Do Something, they text out campaigns to activate young people to do good in their, um, uh, in their communities. And when you're texting with millions or tens of millions of young people, it only takes one to reply to that text message saying, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna hurt myself. Mm -hmm. 
And when you're the organization who receives that message, you're like, what do we do? We're not trained, like we're, we don't know how to handle this type of thing. And so that's something on the path of saying, what do we do when increasingly people, there's like just statistically, someone's gonna respond and be like, I don't know why, but do something as the organization I decided who I'm gonna reach out to to get help. Right. And, like, and, and it turns out this was happening all over the place. All types of companies that are dealing with customer interactions are statistically, like doing it at scale, statistically get people who reach out to them and claiming that they're gonna commit suicide. Mm -hmm. They're gonna harm themselves. And so the world needs an answer to this question and they created it with Crisis Text Line and they just celebrated 100 million messages, life-saving messages that they have now done with, um, with the people in need. So It's crazy, milestone. right? And it's impressive. They've been working on this like uh, six years, 100 million messages, and uh, she t recently told me that she expects to hit another 100 million in less than a year. Yep. That's how, and that's the strange thing about the nonprofit space is you don't want your growth always to be that bad, but it just really speaks to the, the impact that she's having and the need for the solution that she's created and the size of the problem. Um, are there other organizations out there that are using Twilio in unexpected ways? Absolutely. It is just absolutely amazing to us. Like, the creativity of developers is something that really drives Twilio, and nowhere is that more prevalent than in the nonprofit space. I mean, there's so many organizations who use Twilio to affect change. Um, some of the ones you've seen here, like Vote.org. Um, another one that you know, I, I recently learned about, um, which is uh, helping to uh, fight the child uh, sex trade mm -hmm. and Thorn. human trafficking. Well, Thorne, who, who I think you're gonna hear from, oh, you did uh -huh. hear from, mm -hmm. um, but another one, uh, Seattle, um, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, the name's escaping me now. Seattle Against Slavery is doing this amazing uh, work where they go and they buy ads in the publications where, where you know, perverts are finding you know, child prostitutes. Mm -hmm. They go buy the ads. And when these um, people call the number, instead of it being someone who's peddling in child sex, they get a bot um, who chats with them. It's usually texting, actually. They text with them, and then at the end reveals, you've been texting with a bot, and you are caught. Uh, wow. Right? And we may send this to law enforcement. And what it is is a deterrent. Mm -hmm. And they have a high percentage of the ads in these online forums mm -hmm. are now actually these, these, these uh, traps. Oh, uh, wow. And what it does is it provides a deterrent so that you are not willing. It's supposed the, their goal is to decrease the demand mm -hmm. that will then decrease the supply. Right. And so it's amazing. Organizations like that um, and uh, you know, everything from the big, like the American Red Cross, who mm -hmm. uses us to uh, reduce disaster response times by 50% by using texting to get out volunteers to organizations like, um, there's this uh, researcher in the UK mm -hmm. uh, who used the Parkinson's Voice Initiative is mm -hmm. the name of the organization. And they realized that they could let you call into a phone number mm -hmm. and with 99% accuracy determine if you are uh, likely to have early onset Parkinson's disease. Oh, wow. You just call and you record your voice for one minute. Mm -hmm. They run it through uh, an, an analysis mm -hmm. and they can determine that. Mm -hmm. And like typically these trials, they did a trial. These trials would have been millions of hours, grant cycles, years of building it. They built it in like a week. They put the phone number out there. They got a statistically significant sample size and they were able to prove that with 99% accuracy, a phone call could actually diagnose you for Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, just such a breadth of amazing stories right. of what people are, are doing. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy how quickly some of these things can be built using platforms like Twilio. I remember a few years ago uh, when I was at Stanford Business School, I met an entrepreneur named TJ. She was uh, yeah. um, 
in her second year of business school and she'd borrowed a few thousand dollars of her student loan money to switch Twilio together with Google Translate and was using it to make it easier for teachers to text message the parents, uh, particularly parents of immigrants who didn't grow up here, maybe they don't speak English or were intimidated by uh, the authority of a classroom. Uh, and I was like so blown away that here she was in school uh, and for a couple thousand dollars could build this really helpful and impactful uh, platform. Yeah, well, EJ's here. EJ! EJ! You want to come, come up here and talk about... Uh... Let's hear it for EJ. <laughs> I happen to be here. Today. Hi, EJ. Good to see EJ, you. welcome. Thank you. Tell us a Thank bit you. about... How'd you find Twilio? How did I find Twilio? Well, I think it was the, well, it was a prototype and we wanted to actually actualize the idea of what became Talking Points. Mm -hmm. And at that time, you know, I am not technical and we were looking for tools that would really easily build communication, mm -hmm. especially with text messages. And we found Twilio then. So three and a half years ago, that was Talking Points. Um, and, you know, our mission is to really unlock the potential of millions of families in supporting their children's learning in underserved, diverse communities, which is basically everywhere in the U.S. right now. Um, and if you think about a parent, both of your parents, right, Jeff and Kevin, if, if you think about a parent's kind of desire for every child to do well in school, mm -hmm. that will and desire is so universal but we see low, many low-income families struggle to do that. Um, if you don't speak English, if you didn't graduate from high school, if you're working double, triple shifts, where do you even start? Mm -hmm. um, so with that mission, I started Talking Points three and a half years ago. That's awesome. And so I think for all the tech nonprofits in the room, and one of the special things I feel like about this moment in history is now we have all these building blocks like Twilio that make it easier for you to start uh, your own, build your own products, but apply them to a social mission. Can you talk a little bit about like how you thought about selecting the right partners to build your product? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of selecting our partners, maybe I'll take a step back and kind of tell you what Talking Points does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Talking Points, we systematically break down the barriers to parent engagement in underserved diverse communities by building a multilingual family engagement platform. So we connect parents and teachers um, across technological and language barriers with two-way translation, which is AI and human-powered, as well as increasing their capacity to support their children um, in, in their homes or in the classrooms. So Twilio powers our text messaging capability and we started three years ago, 15 months ago, we reached 1 million messages. Six months ago, <laughs> wait for it, six months ago, that got us to 5 million messages. Oh, wow. And this is the first time we're sharing this, but last month, we got to 10 million conversations between families. It's amazing, you know, something just as simple as, do, does the parent and the teacher speak the same language and how much of an impact that can have on a student's outcome. And it's such a simple thing, yet no one had solved that problem until Talking Points came along. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jeff. And it really kind of stems from my personal experience growing up. So I 
I'm Korean. I moved from Korea to England when I was eight and lived in basically the Sunnyvale equivalent, but in London. And <laughs> I saw my mom become this parent leader in the community because she spoke English, because she was educated. And all these other parents crowding around her literally causing a traffic jam in the parking lot because they were asking her so many questions about what, school, what was happening at school. Mm. Um, and, you know, we're really about kind of creating that equitable environment through increased communication, through increased connections. Because if you don't have that connection, you cannot build a relationship and you cannot build a partnership that is sustainable, that is supportive and just collaborative in supporting that ch child and, you know, the classroom of students as well. And how did you come across the idea to use, like, text messaging as the way to connect these constituencies together? Like, was that obvious to you when you thought about the problem? Or did it take some experimentation to figure out, like, how, what medium can I use to connect parents and teachers together where we can bridge this communications gap? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of our values, and you spoke to values earlier, is accessibility. And it needs to be accessible for everyone in our community that we're serving. And that universal accessibility the only channel we have was text messages. So it seemed natural to um, power communication through text messages because everyone can text. Most parents, even in our communities, have a phone, despite the fact it might not be a smartphone. So it's really about that reachability and being able to provide that equitable experience to all. Can you talk a little bit about, I'm actually very curious about Twilio, when I first came across Twilio.org like five or six years ago, you had this really audacious goal of hitting uh, a billion messages for good. Uh, I think it was in 10 years. And from what I understand, you've hit the goal five years early. And so you set a new goalpost, which is like helping a billion people a year. Yeah, it's kind of one of the things you think you're setting an audacious uh, goal, and it turns out, you know, <laughs> it wasn't. And you're, you're like, okay, well, now what? Can you tell us about like how, uh, why this is important and how you plan to get there? I assume it's through partnership with people like KJ and talking points, but talk to us a little bit about like why move the goalpost? Why not just celebrate the win of getting there five years early? Yeah, you know, we can just keep like counting another <laughs> billion messages, but at some point it felt like there was a bigger story here that we were trying to unlock, which is, look, there's so many people in need of some form of help in their lives. There's seven billion people in the world. Mm -hmm. And communications is so fundamental to the human experience. You know, what do we do as human beings that is different than every other species out there? Well, we communicate better and we build you know, more complex tools than any other species out there. And so wouldn't communication seem like would be the way to strengthen bonds between people and therefore create better outcomes? Mm -hmm. And we said, I wonder you know, if you think about uh, what percentage of humanity needs some form of help mm -hmm. during their life during this year, it does not seem crazy to believe that eight, one billion out of the seven billion on this planet needs some form of assistance. Mm -hmm. And we, just, we sort of said, like, does it seem like that's true? Yeah, it does. What if Twilio could help nonprofits that are out there that are seeing these problems, that are there to address them? What if we could help those organizations reach a billion people? Mm -hmm. Because that seems like we're starting to get close to the scale of the number of people who probably need some form of life-changing help in a given year. And that's how we came up with our new goal is that uh, Twilio uh, wants to, Twilio.org, mm -hmm. just the non nonprofit and impact aspects of the customers that we power, we want to touch a billion people a year with a positive impact that changes lives. Well, that's it's awesome. Goal. 
And so we're almost out of time, so I want to make sure I have a chance to ask you, uh, Hee-Jay, you make mission-driven entrepreneurship seem very easy. And uh, Jeff, you've been an entrepreneur since you were 13 and now have this very mission-driven, for-profit, um, successful tech company. Can we use the time we have left? Do you have, what advice do you have to share for entrepreneurs um, who are interested in doing mission-driven tech work? Well, for those of you who don't want to start your own organization but want to make an impact, we're hiring. <laughs> Come and join us. Should have seen that coming. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second part is, you know, I started Talking Points and there were so many questions about how do I do this and how do I do that and how do we grow, how do I build technology, I'm not technical. And I think my learning now is if you do something and literally do and take the next step, you'll figure it out. And never had I imagined three and a half years ago when we built the prototype using Google Translate and Twilio that we would have powered 10 million messages three years later. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think my advice is just, is just follow your heart and do something that you believe the world this really needs and that you know, there's a customer that you're serving that you love. And I've started four companies um, in, in my career. Twice I felt that like I was bringing a product that my customer needed and I really cared about that customer and their outcomes and I really cared that the product was something they needed. And then twice it felt more like I'm doing it for the sake of business. Mm -hmm. And when I did it for the latter reasons, when I was like, well, it seems like a good business, but I don't really have this visceral connection to this product or this customer, it's hard to get through those, mm -hmm. the difficult times, the blood, sweat, and tears it takes to build something of value. And so my advice to everybody here, which is I, I imagine a lot easier in a world of impact, mm -hmm. is to really think about the customer that you're serving and the solution that you're bringing to them and feel viscerally and passionately that you're making uh, their lives better by doing the work you do. And when you feel that, everything is magical. And it gets you through the hard times, it gets you through the blood, sweat, and tears, mm -hmm. and it really provides this um, intrinsic motivation to do your best work. And so I, I hope that you all have that. If for some reason you're like, I don't feel that way, I suggest find, find a way where you do feel that way. Find a constituency, find a problem to solve that you do feel viscerally about solving, mm -hmm. and that will help you, uh, help you achieve that goal. And, um, and when you do, we'd love to help you do it. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, HJ. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jeff. That was awesome.